Hey, PT listeners, we've been working on something special at Tier 11, something that I can say without exaggeration or without hesitation will produce better ad optimization and increased conversions and have a profound impact on the amount of data you can send back to all your ad platforms. That includes Meta, that includes TikTok, that includes Google, and we call it X-Ray Tag. And it's only available to Tier 11 customers. A lot of businesses think that it's Black Friday, it's the holiday season, and once they actually get through that, then they'll worry about next year. Well, now is the time for you to start gathering all the data that you can to set yourself and your business up for success in 2024. X-Ray Tag replaces all the potpourri of pixels, cappies, cookies with one single implementation that sends higher quality first-party data back to all your ad platforms. In fact, in our early testing, we've seen a 40 to 100% increase in event matching quality, aka EMQs in Meta, which translates into better ad optimization and increased conversions. So if you feel like your ads are flying blind, head on over to tier11.com forward slash x-ray to get early access. Clients to sign up before the end of the year, move to the front of the line, and we are only offering this for the PT listener like yourself. So head on over to tier11.com forward slash x-ray. Don't miss out. You're listening to Perpetual Traffic. Hello and welcome to the Perpetual Traffic Podcast. This is your host, Ralph Burns. This is episode 246, and I am no longer all by myself like I was last week and the week before that. Today, I am joined with Amanda Powell yet again. Welcome, Amanda. Thanks. Happy to be here as always. Yeah, awesome to have you. And our special guest from the UK, none other than a three-time perpetual traffic guest, but one who hasn't been on here for almost three years, not like there's anything to talk about inside those three years, but none other than Tom Breeze. I was going to say Sir Tom Breeze, but I don't want to get too ahead of myself here. Tom Breeze, who is the owner of viewability.co.uk and our resident YouTube expert here on perpetual traffic. And he's going to be talking to us today about stuff that's going on with YouTube and why you as a Facebook advertiser or you as a business owner should be on YouTube and three steps that we're going to teach you exactly how to do that. So Tom, welcome to Perpetual Traffic. Long time no see on this podcast for sure. <laughs> Thank you so much, Ralph and Amanda. It's great to be here again. But yeah, as you say, three years. It's been a long time. Yeah, I know. Well, it's not like we haven't seen each other in the last three years. <laughs> no, I guess a, I just sort of forgot to invite you on. Yeah, exactly. It's just a testament to our friendship. That's what it is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's really, it has fallen like, uh, off the cliff. Yeah. Although we did get together back in September. That was a, a lot of fun. That was fun. That was really good. Staggering around London on a, on a very rainy night. But no, today we're going to be talking about something that I think is next, the next logical and easiest, relatively speaking, step for Facebook advertisers or for any advertiser, anybody who's on any kind of digital media right now, and this is a channel that obviously is gaining tremendous growth, and it's the, pretty much the only thing that my kids ever watch, by the way, <laughs> YouTube. And it's not just the young demographic, it's a tremendous channel and obviously a huge source of growth for Google. 
And you've been doing this now for God knows how many years, what, six or seven years, just YouTube itself becoming sort of the preeminent expert, especially in the direct response space, Tom, has it been that long? It's been just over seven years, I think it is, yeah, since I ran my first YouTube ad. So I've been around for a little while. And in internet years, that's 700 years as well. So <laughs> that's, yeah, that's true. true. Yeah. You get that right. <laughs> yeah. So I think the last time you were on three years ago, we were talking about what's new in YouTube. And I think that's what our listeners really want to know is that. But also, if you're not on YouTube, why should you be on YouTube at this point? And we have customers inside Tier 11 that are spending a lot on Facebook, you know, multiple six figures, even into seven figures. And in a lot of cases, they're spending just as much, if not more on YouTube. And we see that through the Facebook attribution tool. And obviously they're very different mediums, but there's a lot of similarities and there's some things that work and some things that don't work. So from your experience, Tom, like what does it take to be successful on YouTube as a direct response advertiser or for any kind of advertiser for that matter? Like how do you get into it to start? And then maybe we can get into assets that you might have from your Facebook ads and if those would actually work or not and how you approach YouTube traffic just in general. Yeah, okay, cool. I think that the big thing about YouTube whenever I'm thinking about working with a client and getting them live on YouTube and driving success is to kind of break it down into three main components, I suppose, to be like, right, well, targeting are the client's customers on YouTube. Are they going there? Are they naturally there, so to speak? Are, kind of like, are they seem to be hanging out there and looking for information and looking for advice and that type of thing? So there's kind of like a targeting. Can we actually reach their customers is a big thing with YouTube. Second of all, it then be like, right, well, the creative is such an important piece to YouTube. Like if you have an ad that's not designed for YouTube, then inevitably becomes a problem because some of the most important numbers you need to be focusing on is like things like click-through rates. And if you have a click-through rate of like 0.8% and then you're able to bump it to 1.5%, just by YouTubizing an ad almost, you can halve the cost of your acquisition. So the actual creative piece is huge. And so we can go into that at quite some depth. That's another piece. And then also the offer, like whatever you're promoting on YouTube, you need to make sure it's like fit for YouTube audiences. So if you get into the psychology of a a YouTube user, it's normally someone that's gone to the platform because they've got a bit of time on their hands. Like the average session duration on YouTube is 40 plus minutes, which is crazy to me. Like people are going there and that's the average, right? So there's some people that are standing there like 20 seconds. They see an ad and they disappear off the platform completely. And there's some people there like for four or five hours. And I'm guilty of that myself. I'll be on YouTube sometimes and then wonder where my day went. Wormhole. (laughs) Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. Normally Joe Rogan gets me into the wormhole when I'm starting to learn about some (laughs) crazy kind of medicine that is kind of like, I don't know. And I find myself like, okay, well, that's really interesting. I'm now learned about something that I'm never, ever going to use in my life ever. (laughs) But there we go. That's the beauty of YouTube. But if you know what your customers are doing on YouTube, and you get into their mindset and you're like, ah, okay, I, cool, I get it. I understand. And it's, I try and think of the users or the, or the people that you're getting in front of as if I was standing in front of them. Like, what would I say? How would I pitch my products knowing quite a bit about my YouTube audience? And if I know that, then it's unlikely I'll go with a Facebook funnel or a funnel that's designed for their Facebook traffic. Like Facebook, it's based on people's interests, which is kind of like the long-term traits of who they are as individuals and kind of what they're passionate about and then obviously demographic and location data and all that sort of good stuff. 
with YouTube, yes, there is that audience that's based on interest-based content, but a big part of YouTube that's going to, you're going to want to crack to begin with is understanding that people are there with shorter term interest. It's like almost like the intent. It's no longer a trait of an individual. It's more like a state right there and then. Like, what are they looking for at that moment in time? Which means that when you're targeting people on YouTube, they're interested and they're really wanting a question or a problem solved when they're on YouTube rather than going to be seeing a shiny object and thinking like, oh, yeah, I, I love that sort of stuff. I'm going to find out what that ad is all about. It's more a case of like, no, I'm looking for my answers. I'm, I'm kind of got the blinkers on. I'm looking for something in particular. And if you show up at that time, you stand to do a ridiculously good job of advertising there because you know exactly what they want and you can kind of give them what they want if you just think about it a little bit. So kind of looking at an overarching idea of YouTube versus Facebook, if you have that in mind, it does make the whole job of getting onto YouTube and diversifying some of your ad budget a lot easier. Hmm. I like that you said, imagine standing in front of someone and like, would you actually say that to someone in person? And I think that's something we, as marketers, and even we do it here too, it's like we forget what it sounds like when you're not saying it out loud or when you're putting it into certain creative and even our video team made the video two years ago that was like LinkedIn in real life. And it was all the awkward messages you get on LinkedIn. And if you had said it <laughs> yeah. in person, how uncomfortable <laughs> it would make people feel <laughs> yeah. and how awkward the conversation would be about like trying to talk about how great you are at advertising, like in a LinkedIn message. But I think that's something that we don't really think about a lot because as marketers, it comes so second nature to write some ad copy or build a Facebook ad or build a YouTube ad and just kind of send it out into the world. And I know sometimes it becomes so second nature that you don't even think about what it actually is saying or how odd it would seem if you were actually talking to a friend and saying that. Mm, exactly. And I, I think it's one of those buzzwords, isn't it? To be like, oh, you should have empathy with your advertising. You yeah. should like really <laughs> understand your customers. And then it's like, Okay, cool. I want to know more about their intent so I can buy, I can get to buy my stuff. <laughs> and it's like, okay, that's not necessarily what we meant by that. But uh, we all feel guilty of that sometimes. So like, okay, cool. I've got this massive list. I can promote my product to these people and immediately make a sale. I, I suppose that one of the things that's shifted my mindset in the last year is that I was getting so deep into the numbers. Like I'm a maths guy, a science guy, psychology guy. So in the, in the background of my mind, I'm always trying to think logically, like to be like, all right, what are all the numbers that I need to move and tweak and change? And you can get so logical and it's so easy to think like that and justify how you're thinking like that when you're going through things. Like all I need to do is just increase this click-through rate by another, like I need to move it from 1.2% to 1.6% and everything's going to change. And I'm like, <laughs> great, that's my objective now. Mm -hmm. And whilst that's true, it's almost like being a CRO expert. It's being like, yes, you can constantly improve every single step and you will get better numbers. But then I sat back and thought like, well, actually, hang on a second. What if I just became a little bit more human about this, still thinking I want to scale it to the, to the nth degree. I want to make sure this goes big, but also being like, well, how do I do like genuine empathy at scale? And I feel like YouTube is the perfect platform to be able to offer that. Funnily enough, without actually having to do that much work in terms of changing what you're already doing, it's just some really key points. Um, so if you can think about YouTube as more of an experience for your customer or your potential customer, and you think, right, what experience would I like to build for somebody? And what would I like to go through myself? You may find, and this is like the bit that kind of is as a difficult thing for people to 
except when I'm like when I'm talking about like getting the best results, is that you may find that you drop that conversion rate on the first step by the fact that you've built an experience for people. But the whole intent behind this and the thing that shifted my mindset was like, well, look, yes, we might not get the, the highest conversion rates on step one on that first day. Uh, we might drop the conversion rate by 10% maybe or something along those lines. And you're thinking, well, instead of getting my 30% opt-in rate or something, now it's 27%. And I, I really want it to be above 30%. But you're thinking, well, my experience is so good now that people remember who the company is. They respect the company. They actually want to buy from the company potentially. It's just not, they just didn't convert as well on that first day. But when you realize business is actually all done on the back end, it's all kind of the recurring relationship you have with people. If you set that up in the right way, you end up having much better customers. You end up having a much longer lifetime value from each one that does become a customer. And so that's where I'm starting to think, well, yes, at the loss of a bit of a click-through rate, but you're having a much better connection with people, I'm happy to trade that off sometimes. So um, whilst I'm a very performance-led advertiser and we only get paid on results, I'm also very conscious of the fact that like, I want to get the best result. And sometimes that is a case of like losing a bit of the performance on the front end to know that on the back end, we built this experience that people fall in love with the brand. You'll have such the right audience by the time they get to the back end that they'll be hyper qualified. And you're just building that, that brand awareness, which is so important, you know, even on the like organic side, even from like content or even, even organic YouTube, it's like building the brand awareness. So people will come back. Mm. It seems like it's the same thing, you know, in the advertising as well. It's like, making sure that people understand that you're going to, you know, respect them as a customer and you're trying to help them reach their goals based on what they're searching for. Exactly. And I think that like that's probably we can go deep into that if you like and talk about how to do empathy on scale on YouTube without actually having to make too many changes to what you're already doing on Facebook. But then also maybe talk about like the first steps into getting into YouTube based on what you're doing already on Facebook and so I realized the transition from moving from not even moving from one to another, but more almost like saying, right, we want to start diversifying some of our traffic sources because uh, Facebook is one of those platforms where it's so exciting. And if you look at the last few years of trend, the costs have increased, the mm-hmm. volatility on the platform is a bit crazy sometimes. I mean, I'm not in day-to-day, but you guys will know what you experience every day. It's probably not... Sure. You probably oh, yeah. got a few more hairs <laughs> pulled out than you would have liked, maybe. Uh, There's none yeah. left. How, would, how did yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah, so mine's just gone grey, so it's fine. Like, yeah. um, Amanda has time. <laughs> yeah. 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 So taking a step back, like YouTube advertising, like just the terminology of it, like what are we talking about here? There's true view, there's pre-roll, there's bumpers, there's those little search ads. I don't even know what those are called, <laughs> kind of over on the right-hand rail. <laughs> yeah. Like when you're talking about YouTube advertising, what are you talking about? Are you talking about a particular format or are you just talking about it just in general, using them all in aggregate? Like, let's just kind of start from there and then go into. Was your Black Friday Cyber Monday not quite as great as you wanted it to be? Did you feel like you were leaving money on the table? You knew you could have made more sales, but you just didn't know where that money was lying on the table. Well, It's probably because you have some blind spots in your business. We here at Perpetual Traffic want to make 2024 your best year ever. And now is the time to plan for it and set yourself up for 2024. It is not after the first of the year because by the time you actually start doing your planning after January 1st, you've already missed a month. So get that planning done now and do it 
on us. We are giving away 10 free audits, which goes through all of your ad platforms, all the platforms that you're spending money on right now, or maybe the ones that you're maybe not spending money on, but we feel that there is a great opportunity for you to spend and scale and grow. We'll also look at everything after the click for your CRO, your conversion architecture, as we call it. We'll even analyze your email sequences. And most importantly, we'll look at your data how you're actually capturing visitors' information, and how it's tracking all the way to your CRM or whatever your source of truth is. And we do this through a comprehensive audit where we rate each section of your customer acquisition path, give you a rating, and then give some recommendations as to what you should do in order to have 2024 be the best year ever. Now, we're only going to offer this for 10 lucky businesses in the month of December. Okay, that's it. That's the only capacity that we have. Head on over to tier11.com forward slash audit. Fill out the form and let's make 2024 the best year ever. The experience and all the important things that you've discovered to make an effective ad. That's a yeah. great question. We're about to launch all these, so <laughs> I'm excited. <laughs> Get ready to say some notes. <laughs> to talk Take about notes. This, I, <laughs> I got my pen out and I'm ready. <laughs> yeah, if you're driving and listening to this podcast, keep driving. Just just make notes. Yeah, just keep driving. <laughs> yeah. Just make notes as well at the same about time. Text. text it actually into your phone while you're driving. No, <laughs> yes. no, 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 no. Don't do that. <laughs> so... Um, with regards to the ad formats, like when I'm talking about YouTube ads, 90% of me is talking about like the in-stream ads. So those are the ones that are the pre-roll ads, which some people call, where you kind of like press play on a video and instead of watching the video you're about to watch, you see this ad pop up and you've got five seconds to skip the ad. And that's like a, called a pre-roll ad or an in-stream ad. You have the non-skippable ads on that as well, which the vast majority of YouTube advertisers that are direct response driven will be more focused on the in-stream ads, like brand awareness ones where it's like the non-skip ones are also kind of used a lot by big brands and things. You can use them for sure. But I mean, I think it's much better to think of it as like the in-stream ads. You also have like 10% of me is thinking about the other formats. So the ones that I really love that don't get much kind of scale, but are fantastic to use as discovery ads. So those are the ones where you see the thumbnail at the top of the search results on the right-hand side. Mm. So you're probably familiar with seeing them, and then you'll see the thumbnail there as well. So those are the discovery ads. Still part of the TrueView platform that they have. So TrueView really means you only pay for a true view. And what they define as a true view is for a discovery ad, the ones you see the results on the right-hand side, you pay per view. So as soon as someone clicks to play your video, should they choose to play your video by clicking it, then you'll pay at that point. And you can either decide how much you want to pay per view, and that's normally the easiest way of doing it. With in-stream, those ones are pretty clever, right? So you see them all the time. As an advertiser, you only pay when someone either watches past 30 seconds of your ad so if they watch 29 seconds, then disappear, it won't cost you anything, which is really cool because it's almost like free brand awareness. Pretty cool. You also pay if someone clicks. So you don't double up. Like if someone watches past 30 seconds and clicks, you just pay the one time. But um, you either pay for someone watching past 30 seconds, someone clicks to your site, or if someone gets to the end of your video. So if you have like a two-minute video, let's say, and someone watches it all the way through and then doesn't click, you still pay at that point. 
And then there's some savvy people in the uh, as listeners who will be thinking, well, I might just create an ad that's 20 seconds long then and it'll be free for me all day long, even if they don't <laughs> click. Well, no, you, you mm. pay at that point if they watch the end of your video. So you end up paying ah, there. So, tricky. yeah, one thing we Smart. used to do um, <laughs> is we used to do these videos which would be like 20 seconds in length and then just have like two minutes of dead time, like nothing happening after 20 seconds because you didn't have to pay for the click in the past, but then they introduced it. Uh, so you used to have this scenario where people... got wise. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, you thought you were smarter than the Google engineers, exactly. Tom. Yeah. And also it wasn't like I was waking up in the morning thinking, I'm such a good advertiser. When I'm just like... <laughs> I'm, so I'm smart. smarter than Google. <laughs> I'm smarter than Google. And I've got these ads that have these like three minutes of dead time at the end of them. Ha ha ha. No, exactly. It wasn't. It. <laughs> yeah. I've got them now <laughs> I, it wasn't my proudest moment i would say but um yeah but right. like we are uh, we, we've matured up in the last seven years <laughs> so yeah it's not in your information course then, <laughs> no, yeah, exactly yeah. and just i just save it for podcasts now <laughs> yeah. ah good getting the good stuff here yeah so those are the kind of the two main ads that i'm thinking about when we're advertising but as you say there's there's so many different ad formats there's like bumper ads which is six second ads which are really cool i love those you're starting to see more of them and then you can have the link, if it's especially on mobile, you have like a real clear link at the bottom of the video, which is pretty cool. And then you get the display advertising, which is actually part of Google's network, but YouTube will um, open up normally a square ad that you can have on the right-hand side when you're watching a video. And that will be part of the display network from Google. But it could be still run from the same campaign because you run all your YouTube ads from a Google ad campaign. Okay. And then you get all the kind of like stuff on the front page of youtube.com you can sometimes find your discovery ads there which is pretty cool but normally you see like mastheads that are reserved for brands and that type of thing as well mm. so one of the things i've noticed just as an avid user of youtube and most of the stuff that i'm looking at my channel right now everything on there is something related to guitar or cars so geez i don't know what i've been searching what are your interests hobbies <laughs> <laughs> that's right yeah. that's right google's like we got this guy laser focused <laughs> yeah. but you know you do your initial search like how to play play x song or whatever it is you know how to play master of puppets is like one of the searches that's in here right now <laughs> right. so it plays but then you know you've got an ad in front but what i've noticed is that if you have sort of the autoplay selected which is brilliant which sometimes just really just it contributes to the fact that yeah people are on this thing for 40 plus minutes at a time which surprised it's actually that short because it's like you just get lost and all of a sudden you're like holy crap when i clicked on this three hours ago you know now it's like <laughs> six o'clock at night <laughs> yeah what time is it anyway uh, it's dark it's light when i started yeah. it's brilliant but it's like as soon as you start watching more and more like the ads get more and more relevant i've noticed mm. it's like it's it's amazing to me i'm like i'm not going to click on that i'm an advertiser i know better but it's like when you're buying ads do you think of any type of specific behavior of your audience like for you you said okay well they might be searching for something that they need to know like you know the other day i searched like a youtube video for like i don't know how to change a guitar string on a floyd rose tremolo or something like that now i'm seeing all floyd rose ads but the point mm -hmm. is it's like all i needed to know is like that one thing so like how do you kind of think about the experience on youtube because it is so immersive mm. You know, like from a user's perspective, and how does that factor in, like what kind of ad you produce and targeting and everything else that goes along with it? So, having said that, we were talking initially at the start of the show about three real key pieces, and that obviously relates back to targeting. So, why don't you tell us a little bit about 
targeting number one, and then we can go through all the three steps here so people can get a really well-rounded idea as to how to make these things work. A hundred percent. Okay, cool. So I tend to split up my audience type into three. Um, so I'd have like the remarketing type audience. I call them kind of like checkout shoppers in my head. And what we talked about earlier, Amanda, with like thinking about being in front of someone like your best friend or like a, yeah. a potential customer, like how would you talk to them? I try and visualize them so I know who they are. So I think of like my remarketing audiences as kind of people in front of me, but they know who I am already. They know my brand and they, they may even know what I'm selling and they're still interested, so to speak. So it's like, great, I'm getting back in front of those people. And it depends on what sort of remarketing you're building at this point, because you could have checkout visitors, sales page visitors, some sort of engagement page, like a webinar, for, for example, maybe it might be like an advertorial page where they spent more than two minutes on the page and scrolled 75% of the page or whatever audiences you're building. It's, it's really good to kind of keep an eye on where they're at in the customer journey and what ads you want to show to them. And the beauty about those audiences is that they're going to be very valuable and very low cost to get in front of. But um, with that type of creative, it's a little bit easier to get in front of that audience with good creative because they already know who you are. So you don't need to be really clever at this point. You can just kind of put the message you would say to whoever it might be without having to really optimize every piece of copy or your scripts and storyboard and things. It can just be a little reminder uh, with a deadline funnel link or something along those lines. You can kind of close that audience pretty easily. And in fact, that's where I'd say to most people advertising on Facebook is to start with your like your remarketing audiences yeah. because it's just such a low-hanging fruit. It's low cost. It's very low risk. You can actually use a lot of the – if you've already got video creative in your Facebook campaigns, you can just repurpose that and just stick it onto YouTube without doing really any editing. So it's such an easy step for people to take. And it means you actually get so many benefits from doing that activity. Yes, high return on ad spend – but the other things you do is you start collecting a lot of data about who these people are into your Google ad account. So Google will be able to say, like, oh, okay, did you know that all these people that are buying also have a real close affinity with an in-market audience that is one of the targeting, like cold traffic targeting audiences? And so you can start being like, ah, okay, cool. It's kind of giving me hints as to where my cold traffic is at when you start doing like even just a remarketing type exercise. So I always think about like what, what the key audiences you're building and if you were to separate them out, what ads would you like to show to them without having to be crazy on the creative just yet? Just kind of get in front of them and build those remarketing audiences, put the ads in front of them, and then just kind of nudge them down through the funnel, so to speak. Like just keep getting in front of them, keep kicking them down the road, so to speak, into getting close to a purchasing decision. We like to kick in every time. Yeah, so <laughs> kick just kick them. Well, as I always say, just think about exactly what you'd do if you're with them in person. <laughs> <laughs> Just kick them. When you get now you to do something, sense. I would just kick you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Do what I say. Yeah. And your friends at that point, this is a remarketing audience. They already know who you are. Yeah, exactly. Buy. Yeah, buy or don't be my friend. It's fine. <laughs> so that's fascinating. So like that totally makes sense because I think people here are probably thinking, oh, how do I start like with cold audiences? Well, you know, it's actually, it's a really good question. It's actually wrong. The wrong question to start is start with your warm audiences and you know we were actually on a on a on a customer call last friday for a super high volume facebook user and they're like, we're going through our cold traffic like this is what you do for level one two three four five he's like that all seems really complex why don't you just start with like you know your warmest audiences i'm like well 
that's actually what we do mm. first. But I hadn't explained it. So he's like, oh, that makes a whole lot more sense. But it's the same thing here. It's like, you know, your add to cart audiences that you already have through your organic search or, you know, just through your Facebook ads or your people that have like fired the view content event, which is somebody who's hit a product page or maybe your page view, which is your website custom audiences. Like people who already kind of know who you are, start there and then figure out. And it sounds like, you know, from Google's perspective, and this isn't something that Facebook really has. It sort of kind of does, but you start to get data on what your cold traffic audiences might look like. And I think that's a big discovery for a lot of people who don't know a whole lot about YouTube ads. I and mean, I know it certainly is for me because it totally makes sense. Mm. I mean, it is for us too. Like this is a yeah. new area for us. And, you know, like I said, we're getting ready to put like a lot more budget behind YouTube because we did exactly what you just said is we had one campaign running that was a remarketing audience for YouTube pre-roll. And we are just seeing the like, results roll in <laughs> we're just mm. kicking them down down the road so now we're like okay now we need to start expanding and scaling because this is working way better than we had anticipated and why weren't we looking at this before and that's exactly yeah. where we are now yeah it's, it's like building an ecosystem so as soon as they engage with your brand they start to see you there and if you start off with an ad account that has really good return on ad spend then you immediately realize, like, okay, cool, we build up a bit of a reserve here to start exploring the cold traffic, and we can take it one step at a time, but we have the data that's being lent to us from the activity you're already doing. But a big psychological factor with this that I still feel is like it's underappreciated from a lot of people advertising is that by advertising on YouTube, it's the halo effect of what you're kind of saying to your audience so we have a guitar client that I talk about a lot, Tony Policastro, who's a legend, and Levi, who runs his ads, is just a genius as well. We have an ad where one of the first things we do in the ad is we show the community. And we they kind of like, there's like pictures and pictures and videos and videos of, of uh, the community shouting, uh, guitar geeks unite. Um, and, so, and it's just like their thing. It's like what they say, right? It's like their mantra. I'll be retargeted by them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. We're all going to be retargeted. <laughs> um, the reason why we do that is because as soon as you show a community, so many unconscious things happen in the minds of the viewer without them really realizing. So as soon as you see someone's got a community, it means that they have built the community. The community respects and loves them, which means there must be so much trust between the company owner and the, and the tribe they've built. And so you're, mm. without having to say it, you just visually show it for like three seconds, I think it is immediately you can feel like, okay, well, I can trust this company. And, and the viewer's thinking, I don't know why, but I just trust these guys. Huh. Because you you realize unconsciously, it's just like a, a human evolution thing. It's like, if there's a leader here that has a community that's following them and they all seem to be enjoying them and having fun and having fun playing the guitar, that sounds cool. Because most of the time it's just lessons, right? <laughs> so immediately you're starting to see like, okay, in a split, se- oh, it doesn't even be, it could be like one second worth of activity that happens there you pick up that trust points so quickly. But the same thing happens even if you're just seen on YouTube because it's a bit like being seen on TV. Like we all say, as seen on TV, if you've got it, because it's like, oh, you've been on TV, you must be really, really good. And the yeah. same thing with YouTube. It's like, oh, you're running YouTube ads? Oh, wow, okay, that's that's pretty much TV for the viewer. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like they're thinking like, totally. and so 
whilst I still feel like there's that's a kind of like halo effect that happens on Facebook as well, like, oh, I've, I found you on Facebook and you were advertising there. I really liked it. With YouTube, there's a kind of a, a hidden psychological factor that's almost like saying, oh, I, I saw you on YouTube. You must be good. And whilst that means nothing, in the viewer's mind, it's like, oh, okay, you're advertising on YouTube. It's a bit like TV. Sure, you come in my in my head. I'm, I'm branding you now as someone who's a credible company. And if you then show like the fact that you've got a community of some sort, immediately it's like, oh, and you can be trusted? This is amazing. And this is like three seconds into the video. Uh, we've already <laughs> established that. So it's quite a cool unconscious thing that you just get when you start advertising on YouTube. I think that's, that's brilliant. Yeah, that's, you know, you don't really think about that. But the people even in the DM office are always saying like, oh, I, you know, wound up down a wormhole and was on YouTube for four or five hours after work yesterday. And it's becoming because you're not really I mean, at least here, you're not really paying for cable anymore. You're either paying for a streaming service or I feel like the generations that are coming up are just watching YouTube, especially oh, because totally. a lot mm. of even TV shows are just putting the episodes on YouTube now. <laughs> yeah, it's true. And people feel like so the platform's reserved for the big boys. That's what people think. It's like mm-hmm. TV's reserved for certain people that can only advertise on TV. It's like you still have that mentality on YouTube. It's like, yeah. it, but it's not true. And we'll take that advantage if we can. <laughs> <Which> is <great. laughs> it is like a TV channel, though. That's a really interesting take on it. And I, I don't see that much on YouTube, but like we see that a lot with just podcast listeners because it's like it's a channel. It's like a media channel. I don't think I really think of Facebook as a media channel. I look at it as like a news feed. But this is like a channel. Like I'm mm. flipping to it you know, on my Samsung TV. It's like, do I go to Comcast? Do I go to YouTube? Or do I go to Prime Video or Netflix? Mm -hmm. Eh, I'm on YouTube. Mm -hmm. And that's usually where I end up. And then those people that I watch, it's like if I've met like a lot of the people, like a lot of the channels, I'd be kind of starstruck. It's like the weirdest thing. I never really thought about it that way. Exactly. You reserve in your mind a special place for anybody that advertises on YouTube in a weird way. And And it's just, yeah, it's amazing how that's come about. And I feel like it can enhance everything you're doing because as soon as you're that brand in someone's head, then conversion rates might nudge up a little bit, especially if you're doing a lot of remarketing and your average order value, because someone's trusting you more, might just spend a bit more money with you and decide to buy more from you. Now, I haven't got like hard evidence to be like, oh, when YouTube plays nicely with Facebook, everything improves. It's difficult to kind of necessarily say that's in hard facts, that's exactly what's happened. But everyone can appreciate the idea of that. I feel like YouTube is a platform where when you're advertising there, people change their mindset about who you are. Yeah. I mean, if, as long as you don't get caught up in attribution. <laughs> and our good friend, Mike Rhodes, said it the, the best, I think. Was it the first beer or was it the ninth beer that got Tom Breeze drunk? (laughs) I can tell you it was the first one. (laughs) (laughs) And he does use you as an example, by the way. I've got got three kids. I've got three kids, so like one beer is plenty for me these days. I know, (laughs) I know. The ninth one was just excessive. Yeah, (laughs) Right, that's right, that's right. Um, But no, I mean, that's how you kind of look at attribution. It's like, which one was it that actually... It was the one that made the conversion and how, you know, if YouTube, if you're using YouTube and Facebook together, it's like, especially if you're doing what you're talking about here, we were only on step number one, which is fine, which is retargeting like that last click attribution is probably going to be, 
you know, more than likely it's going to be Google related, at least at what we see inside stats inside tier 11. But the point is, it's like, as long as you look at it holistically, it's like, hey, I'm making more money. I'm making more sales than I was before. Like, that's kind of how you have to look at it without getting in too technical detail here. But so really, it's the first step here is use your retargeting audiences. And just this this question it keeps coming up in my mind is, how big do those audiences have to be for you to load them into YouTube just so we can get that kind of out there from a tactical perspective? Of Tom? course, yeah. So you'll need to build the remarketing. You can't like obviously take a Facebook remarketing list and just plug it into YouTube. Right. That would be beautiful if Facebook and, and Google work together so seamlessly, but um, that's never going to yeah. happen. So um, yeah, you have to make sure your pixels obviously on your page and firing correctly and that type of stuff. You need to make sure there's a thousand people in the audience in order for it to begin activating yeah yeah so it's google tag manager which is obviously is a tool that you should be using really mm. it's like you got your facebook pixel in there too put your google pixel in there boom right start collecting yeah exactly and one little thing i think is always nice to do as well and this is never used especially with direct response advertisers but once someone does make a purchase with the company i heard this first from a charity which i thought wasn't like really clever is that if someone does make a purchase with your company, it's really cool to run a thank you ad campaign. Just to kind of like yeah. say anyone that bought or anyone engaged with your site in the way that you wanted them to, just like show them an ad to say, hey, thanks so much for your purchase. I'm really looking forward to working with you. As always, if you ever need us, here's our support like link and you can go and grab us anytime you need or whatever it might be. But no one ever does that. And there's not kind of like hard evidence to be like, this is a really successful way of getting people to buy more from you. But I do feel like, it's a unique thing. It wouldn't cost you hardly anything at all. And people would just be like, it's again, it's another point which your brand can look amazing. And I think that that's a really cool strategy uh, that not many people are using. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And we say that all the time. It's like, as soon as you get the purchase, your job isn't done. Mm. People will then say, oh, well, I'll take care of that on email. It's like, well, why? <laughs> yeah. You know, so we just did an analysis in an account that's, that's spending 1.2, 1.3 million per month. And I think it was less than 0.2, not even 2%, like 0.2 of 1% was spent on level five purchase traffic just to make sure that they consumed the item and they were satisfied. Mm. And it's helped their stick rate as far as how many months they stay on the product from three to six months. That's amazing. Like it's yeah. doubled it. And the spend is infinitesimal, if that's a word. I don't even know. It's like an English word. It's like really, <laughs> really small. Yeah. So <laughs> really, yeah. really small. So, yeah, I love that. Really, really small. I think that's like what, $2,000 a month in spend? <laughs> My math isn't all that great. But anyway, <laughs> and you can do that if you have a membership site mm. like DM. You know, you guys should be doing this, you know, because obviously it's stick rate for digital yeah. marketer. And we've even found that inside the platform. So recently, like our Absolutely. like product team has, you know, really been working hard to do the data inside the platform to figure out what people are consuming and then what audiences they're coming in from so that we can start showing them relevant pieces of content after they've already logged in. So even Absolutely. when they take a subscription, it's like, hey you are viewing the content, you should start here and with these content workshops or these content, you know, execution plans so that you can start working through a lot of, you know, our best content on content. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. But showing people, like nurturing them through the process instead of just being like, all right, you logged in, we're good. We, we good. <laughs> yeah, we're good. Yeah, you got your thing. All right. You could, you could like build a, almost like an audience of people that haven't engaged in the last like, 
three days or something along those lines. Yeah, exactly. Um, the, the unengaged. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> as soon as they kind of like um, haven't engaged for more than three days, then you could like build a list of those people and then even run an ad to them to be like, hey, we found that one of the things that really helps with engagement is when we assign you a coach or whatever it might be. And yeah. we'd love to just make sure that this kind of like we get you working as efficiently as possible. So if you click here, you can book a call in with one of our coaches and we can just talk through how to get the very best out of the platform. And even something like that, just to show you care, because it, again, it comes back to this mentality of thinking about what you would say if someone was like in front of you at that moment and you, you, you knew what was going on, then you would. You'd be like, okay, imagine if you actually had them live at a workshop or something and someone just like completely disengaged on their mobile phone, not even concentrating on what you're doing. You'd be like, I need to take care of this over here. This isn't working. Mm -hmm. And so you can do that online. It's just a case of being empathetic so to speak um on to yeah, kind in of, that case you, know, you would probably go out there and steal the guy's phone <laughs> well the kicking will come back in for sure that, yeah, the kicking, definitely. Yeah, right. i feel like there's such a psychological point to it as well because you know when you're trying something new or if you're trying to sell something that you know especially to a cold audience and people haven't tried it before the first thought that pops into your head is i'm never gonna be able to figure that out or i don't have time to figure that out but when you add in that extra piece of like we're here to help you with it. There's, you know, like you said, there's a coach to help you. Don't worry, you're not going to be doing this alone. We're here every step of the way to guide you through the process. And I feel like that's so much more helpful, even just like subconsciously being like, oh, I'm not gonna have to figure this out on my own. Mm, yeah, exactly. There's um, like the moments of truth in, in marketing. Like I think uh, Google did a ridiculously good job of talking about like the zero moment of truth or the ZMOT. Yep. ZMOT yeah, and yeah. years gone by. <laughs> the more recent one is like the moment at which you bought a product and you're waiting for it to arrive on your doorstep and some more physical products and that gap between making the purchase and normally the delivery being done by a company that's obviously mm -hmm. not unrelated, but it's, it's another company fulfilling right. the actual delivery of that product. And there's that gap there. And then all of a sudden this other company is taking over the communication and, and also the company that sold the product is almost like, well, it's the delivery's problem if it doesn't arrive on time it's not our fault we we gave it to the delivery company so it's almost like people are losing responsibility and the end users is like well i bought this thing and it's not arrived or i'm yeah. or i'm worried that it won't arrive it may do it might be delivered perfectly but there's just that kind of like gap there which emotionally is hard for some people to take i know that i've bought yeah, things before sure. and i'm like ah oh, I, I don't know when it's arriving and it said it's been shipped but i, I don't know when, when where is it coming from again i don't have yeah. any of that information yeah. and so immediately it's like if, if there's more communication coming It'd be so nice just to be like, cool, I just I saw another ad or I saw something that actually is mm -hmm. valuable and helpful. And just those touch points at the right moments is if you really think about your customer and what they're going through. And if you were standing there in front of them, here's all the things you would say if you knew what they're going through. So it does make a big difference to how you think about advertising. Yeah, absolutely. And there's apps now that actually notify you. I've got like the Arrive app on my phone that says your delivery is coming in 72 hours. Your delivery just arrived in Sonoma, California. <laughs> it's like it's and it's all that anticipation and it's a customer service element that I think you, you can't really forget. So that is the end of part one. And we'll continue on with part two next week. This is really awesome stuff here. And, you know, if people wanted to find out more about you, Tom Breeze, where would they find you? So you can go to viewability.co.uk. That is where our agency and some of our trainings are held. And then if you want to kind of find out more about myself, then it's tombreeze.com. And uh, funny enough, we have our own Will YouTube Ads Work For You on tombreeze.com. 
very soon. Uh, and so like we're currently updating it slightly, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it'll be available very soon. And then you can go through exactly one of those funnels and we can retarget you and kick you down <laughs> to buy our products <laughs> in due course. Kick, down the road. <laughs> kick, <laughs> kick and more kick. But no, thanks for coming on this week. Viewability.co.uk is the URL. Awesome. Well, this has been episode 246. And for all the uh, useful links and resources that we mentioned on this week's show, make sure you head over to digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. This is the Perpetual Traffic Podcast, episode 246. Until next week, see ya. You've been listening to Perpetual Traffic. For more information and to get the resources mentioned in this episode, visit digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening.